of South Park? Uh huh. No, I haven't. But you guys just sing it so much. Wiener, 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 wiener. <laughs> One wiener. Oh. What? Wiener, 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 <laughs> love not that. okay. Love that song. We stuck in your head. Wiener, wiener. Won't it? Dangle wiener. In five, four, three. Hey, everybody. This is Daniel. And this is Daniel. And this is Carla. And we are Hoosier Homicide, a true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. Welcome. Welcome, all wieners. <laughs> wieners, one and all. <laughs> Do not send me a wiener picture. <laughs> that includes you. <laughs> well, Clearly, I already knew the rules there. Game of Thrones tonight. How long? 55 minutes? 58. 58. Okay. So not out of control. Let's get it right. Get it right. Get it tight. It's 58. 58. Um, like 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. I want to say there's another 80 or 90 minute one in there. And then the last two are a buck 20 each. So they're, they're two long. hours long. It's like a movie. Yes. You're not ready. You're not ready. We didn't. I wanted to rewatch the last season, but we didn't. We just watched. I should watch all the seasons. Yeah. My thing, I told mom (laughs) she wouldn't get it. So she purposely watched at least one episode. (laughs) She did? Yeah. Did she watch During the the first first one, she said, boy, fall hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Incest. No. Yes. Boy, fall. See incest. Bring food. Dad, okay. Dad, okay. Come see him. (laughs) <laughs> I have seen the first two seasons. You did? Yes. Okay. So I got that one. You got at least enough mm-hmm. under your belt. Mm-hmm. Man, no penis dwarf. The dwarf has a penis. Travel. <laughs> Tra- <laughs> Travel. Good he show. The eunuch and the... Yeah, they no. went together. Oh. He was in a box. <laughs> exactly. I was talking to this guy last night, and he's really like into harry potter okay well he he like read him as a child well so did i i know and then he said he found this podcast that like he's been reading the books and then like listening to the parts they break it down at the same oh, wow time. yeah i mean they do that with outlander and stuff too so it's not but he was just saying like i've gotten so much more into it now that i can listen to this after i read parts of it i did not know that was an option yeah are you gonna do I, that now i don't know i have my harry potter books not all of them i have a couple 
in there because they're books and it makes me look smart when I have books around. Yeah, same. <laughs> I read like at least the first two. I read all of them. And then I was like, wow, they're getting real fast at making these movies. Yeah, the <laughs> movies are easier to watch. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. What's your favorite Harry Potter? Movie or book? <laughs> Movie book. Mm, I don't know. It's been a long Wait, Daniel and Movie. I watched them all I prefer together. the first one. Yeah. You like the first one? Mm-hmm. Me too. It's just the most whimsical. It is. Yeah. I like the third one a lot. What was the meme or something? Actually, if I'm going to pick one to watch, it'd be the first Fantastic Beast of all of them. I haven't mm. seen that. Is it good? Yeah. It's different. It's, it's really good. I, I like think it. it. I'm into I need to watch them. The main character doesn't talk a whole lot, which is different. He Is he thinking? Newt. I don't know. He's just not a big talker. Newt is moot? Newt is moot. <laughs> 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 he doesn't do a lot of talking. He doesn't have a lot to say. That's interesting. Yeah. Are we allowed to talk about what we did last night? What did we do last night? Oh, yes. Ew, what? Ew. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, okay. Last night, Joe from Infamous Indie came to our house and sat in our living room and talked to us. Well, he really, I think, came here to talk to me. No. Danielle just so happened to be here. I wasn't here at all. Now, mm-hmm. if you haven't noticed from the looks of the house, we need to have strange men over more often. He didn't even go into the bathroom, and I cleaned <laughs> the fucking bathroom. He... And then mom came over, and she goes, it smells like bleach in here. And she opened the window, and a big gust of wind knocked all my plants off. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was intense. And he didn't even go in there. He didn't even go in. <laughs> I'll go in there. Okay. I'll do some business. I mean, it's not clean anymore. It's been 24 okay, hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> No, but we had a lot of fun. We talked about just a, a little bit of everything, really, mm-hmm. didn't we? Did you go over a Gus? Kase? Uh, well, we talked about Richmond Hill some. Oh, okay. Because that's what he interviews people connected to the crime itself or you case. They're like, I'm well first on that. Yeah, one. like you could find a more professional person, but we, you yeah. <laughs> know, we were there. See, I didn't even need to be here because I wasn't even there. No, we point that out several so. times. So Carla wasn't even there. Yeah. No. I mean, it was just as traumatizing. Don't worry. <laughs> he brought up mom shit in her pants in Disney World. Yes. <laughs> I like, right. Sometimes yes. I want to be like, bitch, how do you know that? But then I remember we have a podcast. And- yeah. <laughs> wow, yes. he listened to that. I, I took it with him for life. It's, you know, memories. <laughs> <laughs> I like... Maybe that'll happen again. Mm, yeah. Maybe it happens. We can you. try. Yeah. Maybe it'll be we'll all get food poisoning eating at the same restaurant and then every single one of us except the toddler because she's the one that didn't refuse or she's the one that refused to eat. Mm-hmm. We all get food poisoning. We're all throwing up and have diarrhea. But we still got to take her on a ride. Right. <laughs> and it'll be like. And she's like, what happened? What we'll happened? get off the ride. It'll be like um, the sandlot when they. <gasps> put the dip, dip in their yeah. mouth. <laughs> that was one of the funniest things ever when we finally got back to the room and uh, your mom and she were standing outside and she comes running up. Or we opened the door and walked in. She comes running up. Nina pooped her pants. <laughs> she had to tell every living soul. Yeah. About you guys had to switch rooms, right? Yeah. That's it, not good. I called, it was so bad. I called my, uh, or my dad called. My dad called to talk to our daughter. And she gets on the phone and says, Nina pooped her pants. And your my, dad's probably my dad like, goes, what? What did she say? <laughs> it's not just that she pooped her my, pants. It, she pooped in the toilet and then the toilet got clogged and can, then it overflowed and okay. leaked 
like the, a mighty river into the carpet. Yeah, I guess you know there must have been already some, something going on with yeah, the toilet. Yeah, there was something, and then got locked out of the room and couldn't get back in. <laughs> That's okay. You know what? The people that clean up the rooms are well trained. On Thank oh, they God. were pulling out the carpet the next day. We'll have your dad there to babysit your mom this time. That's yeah. true, and I'll be there. You know, just we have <laughs> to our be a guiding we light. have our five on one, five adults to one toddler ratio she's it's gonna go on the freaking speedway with me that's all i have to say is it still even gonna be there i don't know okay it's a good point so yeah we sat down with joe he's funny i like him he can come back but i have to yeah he gets paid to have a personality yeah so... well the rest of us aren't so lucky <laughs> <laughs> and so infamous indie is his podcast he has a serious one and interviews people like the detect the private eye on the Herb Baumeister case. We talked about that because that was like the case that got him interested. And his wife is in Parks and Recs near the county. Hamilton. Yeah. And, and they're like, she said bones were like washing down <laughs> uh, uh, in the, into the parks or some shit. And I was like, this is That nuts. sounds like that should be a folk song about bones washing down the river. There's murder bones ballads. Bones washing down the river. Mm. <laughs> down into your local park <laughs> parks and rec <laughs> he was the one that put the footage of her Baumeister being interviewed about the dead raccoon that had been painted over by the road crew he found that footage like old he found it and put it on YouTube and then I stole it and put it in our episode so we're, it's all it's, connected. It's all work. It's the circle of life. And he was like, it had to be me. He's like, I mean, he didn't care, but it was just like, he pulled it up. And I was like, yeah, that's the video. That's it. And then I held a microphone up to I can't to believe it. they did really, though. That's how desperate we are for news. Yeah. Someone got shot. A raccoon got painted over. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, because he did, his last two episodes are Jim Jones. And then, and dad grew up on Keystone. Avenue, which is near his church or churches, kind of moved around. And so it prompted me that I wanted to pull up an episode of My Favorite Murder where they talk about a cult and they mention one specific location in Indiana for one precious moment. And I was like, done. Done. I'll tell that. Bitches, done. Was Sarah Shank Golf Course? Hmm? Is that the location? Sarah Shank Golf Course. Yeah, it's a golf course. <laughs> And so I think, yeah, that's um, uh, the connection. Then is him. He is the connection. Mm-hmm. The connection. Joe, because he covered Jim Jones, and that's where I got the idea from. Nice. Well, thank God I brought it up. So, okay, do the thing. Tell the story. Okay, I'll do it. I did remember to tell Joe that when Danielle first found out that there was another <laughs> Indiana murder podcast, that she was less than thrilled about I it. And I do believe... Hurt. Motherfucker and son of a bitch will <laughs> both use. I will deny that. I'll be like, no, it's fine. We can share podcast love. I was never upset. Never. Lie. I don't lie. think I don't think he believed you one bit. <laughs> you I were laughing him. too hard. I told him I just didn't want it to be the exact same dynamic, you know, with Clearly another it's alliteration. Not. No, he's a professional. You'd have to find three idiots <laughs> to do this. But know? then after after she figured out that he wasn't here to ran on our parade, then you liked him. Listen, I don't have a very big parade, and the weather is usually crappy, so I didn't want it to rain on this parade. Fair. Got it? Got it? <laughs> he didn't believe me, did he? No. <laughs> well, 
shoot. Nice, mush, mush. Okay. Sorry, Joe. Better be. I am. Now I feel bad. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> okay. I don't feel bad anymore. <laughs> okay. We're in the like, mostly in the 70s, in the 60s, but during the middle part of this. Are we sure? Not the 50s at all? We have 50s a little bit. Okay. How about the 80s? No. Um, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> 90s? No. Every decade. Okay, cool. No. The 40s? Probably. <laughs> 30s? Okay, just let me do it. Let me do it. Okay, in 1970, George Lucas needed dozens of actors with shaved heads for his sci-fi dystopian movie, THX 1138. I've never heard of it. So not Star Wars? No, not Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> he had trouble filling the roles at first, and so few actresses wanted to cut their hair. But Lucas eventually found the extras he needed in a strange utopian community where everyone worshipped sobriety, wore overalls, and shaved their heads. How many of them were refugees from the Manson family? Could have been. It was called Synanon, and over the course of three decades, it would become one of the weirdest and most vindictive cults of the 20th century. It was utopia. The most magical place I have ever lived. For drug addicts, it was a way to change their lives. It was people helping one another. No doctors, no psychiatrists. We just trusted ourselves. I was just totally a new person. I used to be a drug addict, but I'm not anymore. You feel a part of community, a part of something bigger than yourself. He had a vision of changing the world. To change the world, we have to change ourselves. The motto is criminal A helps criminal B. If I could change, you could change. The focus was on fixing your character. It was a safe haven where you could go and blow your soul. You could come hating people and end up loving them. You could be totally naked. You could be totally exposed. This is who I am. That is a miracle. If there is such a place as Utopia, Synanon was it for me. I would have been there the day I died if things hadn't gone the way they went. <laughs> Just happen chance they all shaved their heads. Mm -hmm. Today is the hmm. first day of the rest of your life. Is that that's Char Charles E. Diedrich coined that phrase. So that's who he's the leader. He was born in Ohio in 1913, and at age four, when his father died in a car crash, his mother made him the head of the household and the favorite child. I recently I was bestowed that honor. Yeah, you were always the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I can relate to that. No. <laughs> Which is incredible since you were adopted. There's a reason they wanted me. Well, yeah, because the one the, the one missing a tooth was uh, discounted. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> She's on Excuse me? <laughs> oh, no. This one has some defects. Well, we'll give you 50% off. Okay. <laughs> and that's exactly how that went. Who are you texting, Tanya? Yeah, what the frick? Joe. <laughs> About what? Oh, because I told him what our daughter said. What'd she say? Is Joe going to come over to podcast again? And I was like, nope, just Carla. God damn it. She's, she, that's what she said. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, at age 12, his mother remarried, and he went into a jealous rage, turning to drinking and rebel rousing. I did not write that. I stole all of this from Synanon, from Rehab to Cult. Paleofuturegizmode.com. Yeah, he got real mad when he got replaced as the head of the household all of a sudden when his mom remarried. 
After graduating high school, he attended the University of Indianapolis of Notre Dame. Oh. <laughs> what was the uh, pause for? I wanted one of you to answer. I guess. Oh. <laughs> but you're busy, see? Uh, you just stopped. <laughs> you just stopped talking and you didn't look up. Yep. For I it. didn't know if it was like maybe he had went to the University of Louisville. Listen. You're going, oh, shit. Louis or is it Louis? Yes. St. Louis. He attended the University of Notre Dame for a total of 18 months before dropping out as a result of poor grades. Yeah, well. If I could get in, I could drop out because of poor grades. Yeah, that would be something. Mm-hmm. So Chuck spent the better part of two decades wandering the country as a barely functioning drunk sales exec. He moved to Southern California. <laughs> he moved to Southern California after his first divorce and in 1956 gave Alcoholics Anonymous a good faith effort at the insistence of his second wife, who divorced him anyways. She's like, man, I didn't think you were going to actually join AA so that I'd have a good excuse to divorce you. But the program really resonated with Chuck, who quickly became a, a sober evangelist for everything AA stood for. So I think it's not uncommon for people that have an addictive personality to trade one thing for another. So he probably got pretty addicted to AA in general. I have heard that. Yeah, before. which I, I'm, there's worse things to be addicted to. Mm -hmm. He was only dismayed by one fact. AA didn't accept other kinds of substance abusers to their meetings. So even though he was only an alcohol abuser, I believe, he it bothered him that people who abused heroin and all that other stuff couldn't come to their meetings. I guess Alcoholics Anonymous thinks they're better. Yeah. But isn't don't they have another thing? Yeah. Narcotics Anonymous was founded in 1953 in Los Angeles, but was highly unorganized. So it wasn't as good as AA. And it bothered him that they couldn't be a part of their better organized system. So in 1958, Chuck decided to form his own group that unlike AA, embraced all kinds of addicts. He first called his group the Tender Loving Care Club. <laughs> That's a great name. We need some TLC. Everyone who shoots up heroin needs some TLC. Okay, but did they call it the TLC Club? Or? I don't know. It was just Tender Loving Care Club. Yeah, that doesn't make me think that's mm. what it is. <laughs> and soon after, renaming it Synanon. The name coming perhaps from a combination of Symposium, Seminar, Anonymous, ain't nobody know where the fuck where it came from. He made it up. He focused on marginalized groups that most in institutions wanted nothing to do with. So this is like a good thing, I think, you know? It doesn't sound bad. No. Uh, part, and, you know, and during, during a time where addiction wasn't fully understood and how it was connected to like mental illness and all that other stuff. But Chuck made it quite clear early on that treating addicts was merely a byproduct of his larger mission. He wanted to create an experimental society that would transform the world. Over the years, the organization grew. It built businesses and started schools. Its goal was a utopian revolution. But when they're saying experimental society, it made me think of Epcot. Like, what was Epcot supposed to be? The uh, exper experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Yeah, see, that's what it made me think of. And I was like, it's Epcot. Epcot is where all the cult people live. Yeah, the only thing is that, like, <sighs> no cult was formed. No. <laughs> they put a frozen ride in instead. Yeah. He was the first person I ever met that was able to somehow cut through the nonsense. One early Sennonite said, re referring to Charles Dietrich, he struck a chord with Chuck's brash, booming voice dominating whatever room he entered, and that booming voice made him brutal in the form of therapy created by the man himself. It was called 
the game. Mm. The game was the most important method of treatment at Synanon. When it came to getting addicts clean, the program rejected any form of pharmaceuticals or tapering off drugs. Everyone went cold turkey and junkies were left on a couch to oh, rither, yeah, to rither <laughs> and vomit for a few days while they went through withdrawal. Cool. Jesus Christ. You can't do that with alcohol, though. I think that's the one in particular. You'll, you can have seizures withdrawing from alcohol. Oh, my goodness. Apparently, that didn't matter. The game was the medicine administered later. A kind of group therapy invented by Chuck where people sat in a circle to express and often shout their frustrations at each other. <laughs> the confrontational approach was a way to hash out everything that bothered you about others in your group. While playing the game, your frustrations didn't even need to be true. Lying was just one of many strategies, which could last anywhere from one to 72 hours. So we're going to sit in a circle and yell at each other. I'm not loving this. Mm. Very, very highly emotional. A lot of screaming, a lot of yelling. I was terrified of it. It was alive. It was like, pew, connects were being made. Synapses were happening all the time. I can get loud too. Okay, motherfucker. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm just a black lady getting loose, honey. This kind of sounds like the one... Um, Rajni the Rajneeshis. Yeah. But they were all fucking Ew. in circles all night long. This is like and I think you would have one person in the middle, like it would take turns and they would uh during this practice members were encouraged to be critical of everything, using critical and profane language. However, despite its very aggressive nature, outside the game, members were required to act civilly to each other and uphold the no violence policy. I feel like I really wouldn't respond well to this. The game started with a question like, the most boring person in this circle is... Carla. Carla. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I'll have you know, I drank a lot yesterday. I feel so attacked. <laughs> On its face, many found the game to be a positive and constructive way to deal with issues within the group. So I guess if you're living in a communal thing, it's like, I hate... That Larry always lets his dog shit in my yard. And so you just yell at Larry for a few hours. You might feel better about the dog shit. I don't think Larry would. <laughs> well, Larry can pick up the fucking dog shit. <laughs> Many of Sinanon's neighbors in Santa Monica weren't terribly excited to have a drug rehab facility in their neighborhood. The Sinanon members faced harassment early on, some of it unjustified and rooted in racism and fear of addicts. In 1961, Chuck spent just under a month in jail for zoning violations and operating a hospital without a license. Oops. <laughs> the oh. hospital just showed up. Those events and persecutions only served to make the Sinanites more cohesive as a group and elevated him to martyr status, suffering unjust incarceration for his beliefs. Zoning. He violated the zoning law. So there's worse things out there. Mm -hmm. In the early 1960s, the Synanon house became quite the fashionable hangout for some Hollywood celebrities. Synanon had some pretty cool parties. Thanks to the fact that so many jazz musicians were around trying to kick their drug habit. So they had a lot of musicians hanging out. That's kind of cool. Synanon was widely held as a tremendously successful program by countless politicians well into the early 1970s. So everyone agreed that this thing is different, but it works. And it's helping a lot of people that can't get help elsewhere. Chuck's organization insisted recovery rates were anywhere from 80 to 100%, though those figures were never confirmed. Hmm. So I think he's just making it up like, yeah, it's 100% effective. 
110% effective. That's that's really saying a lot. Some observers claim that fewer than 70 people in Sinanon's entire existence of the thousands who sought treatment could reasonably have been claimed as rehabilitated. Though it's probably more than that. It's somewhere in the middle. Starting in 1965, Sinanon started buying up land in Marion County, California. It would eventually have three sites in the county, comprising just over 3,000 acres in total, making it the largest private property owner in the county. Hmm. In 1967, Sinanon also purchased an extravagant new building in Santa Monica called Club Casa del Mar. I've heard of that. <laughs> I like people always get, you know, Shit like this happens, and people always come up with the most fucking hoity-toity names yeah. and shit. First built as a hotel in 1926 and then used by the U.S. Army during World War II, the building sat on a gorgeous spot on the beach. The organization was fast attracting non-addicts into the fold. Aside from the bevy of celebrities that would make appearances, locals who had never been considered addicts. How is it that celebrities always get sucked into these things, know. you know? I think they're Well, actually, bored. I think I know the answer, but... People who came in that weren't addicts, they called squares. <laughs> Freaking square. You square. By the late 1960s, a new type of Synanon membership was established. The Lifestyler. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Members of this group were allowed to have jobs outside of Synanon and live outside of the Synanon community, provided they give most of their income to the organization. Oh. Yeah. After all, the organization was leaving a lot of cash on the table by declining government funding grants. Those grants stipulated that there be some kind of independent examination and verification of success rates through drug tests and the like. So by not letting the government get involved, they can do whatever the fuck they want. Much like Catholic schools. If we don't take your government money, we can fire anyone we want for any reason. Most lifestylers washed out of the program, though some joined the ranks fully, leaving their homes behind as a show of true commitment. Did you order your pizza? I'm working on it. I've been having some technical difficulties getting stuff crossed. Nice. Because I want Danielle to have diarrhea tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. Yeah. What? I don't need you getting diarrhea tonight. I do, because I won't be here. Fine, then cancel it. <laughs> cancel your pizza. Well, you said you didn't want any. I didn't never said that. I, she didn't never. <laughs> I did never. <laughs> By the late 1960s, oh, I already fucked that. In 1968, the group was becoming even more isolated, with Chuck declaring that no addict who kicked their addiction would be allowed to graduate to a life outside of Synanon. So the program originally stated, like, you're going to be here in this community for two years while you get sober and then go back to your regular life, which is kind of just extended rehab right if you're really addicted to something it's like it's better to up and leave the state and go somewhere else and be in a program away from the people and places that you would get your drugs from Mm -hmm. so it kind of makes sense but now he's saying anyone who comes in never leaves that's problematic yeah they're like no addict can ever truly be cured and i was like "Mm, okay let's let's not that's a bit like What little pretense the group had about helping addicts rejoin the outside world had been dropped. After the massive expansion into all parts of California, not to mention satellite offices in places as far out as Detroit, the business side of the organization was growing tremendously. Synanon was bringing in roughly $1.2 million from its various businesses, including gas stations. By 1976, it was grossing $8.7 million, with estimated assets of over $3 million. So it's a big fucking business. It's a cash cow. 
This is disturbing. Children inside the Sinanon cult were raised communally. But, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, yes, which we does. don't have nowadays. It's good when you have one clear parent, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. This was a common practice romanticized by utopian communities. Parents had highly restricted access to their children after they reached the age of, what's your guess? Twelve. Six to nine months. <gasps> you no longer had access to your, that's a baby. Like, you no longer get to see your baby after six to nine months. No. Yep. By the end of the 1960s, adult members might only see their kids once a week if they wanted to see, even if they wanted to see them more often, they weren't allowed. Uh Yeah. In 1972, Chuck had proposed that the children from every California branch be moved to a single site in Marion County. This was quite obviously a way for him to better control his followers. So he's saying, well, let's just round up all the kids and put them in one big camp. And then you won't have to worry about your kids anymore. And they're still going to worry. But for many people, it was the final straw. Between 200 and 300 people left the organization after this new policy was proposed. Chuck also created the Punk Squad, a sort of boot camp <sighs> devoted to disciplining juvenile delinquents sent to send on by their parents in the court. So <gasps> no. now the court is like, well, we don't want to send you to prison or juvie. Let's just send you here for just regular life rehabilitation and you probably do drugs. So they'll straighten you out and make you a better human. And then parents will be like, I, they're too out of control. I don't know what to do with them. Let's send them to this place that we don't know anything about, really. Sounds, it, sounds it got good. great reviews on Yelp. <laughs> it got great be- reviews by the founder. Mm-hmm. So it's great. Synanon was completely drug-free environment, say for aspirin, caffeine, and nicotine. But there was another drug that Chuck didn't consider harmful. In fact, he created he credited this drug with expanding his mind and allowing him to create synanon. What drug do we think it is? Marijuana. Mm-mm. LSD. Yeah. <laughs> it's LSD. <laughs> yep. So I I don't know how much they were using LSD there, but that wasn't considered to be a drug. Okay. Yeah. In 1970, he decided that he should quit smoking for health reasons. Oh, that's nice. Okay, one safe haven for the people who would, who smoked was that all of the centers were filled with cigarettes. So, like, you give up something and you pick up something else, like I said. So, everyone smoked and drank coffee and had regular bowel movements because of all the caffeine and nicotine. <laughs> Synanon banned smoking for everybody because he decided he wanted to quit. So, that means no one is allowed to smoke. This top-down control over the lives of Synanites was common and would ultimately contribute to its violent transition Chuck would act on impulse, rationalize his behavior, and then claim that had been the plan all along. A pivotal moment occurred in 1973 when a woman was speaking disrespectfully of Chuck's wife, Betty, during a session of the game. This, of course, was part of the game. Like, you're just supposed to bark at each other with insults. But for whatever reason, this time he took it very personally. He grabbed a can of soda pop and poured it over the woman. So... Mm. We're in a game where you're just supposed to yell at each other, but everyone but me or my wife. At first, he apologized, but he almost immediately recanted his apology and rationalized his behavior as justified. I gave that woman a lesson in manners, he explained. (laughs) It was like, during the game where you're all being really rude to one another. Yeah, I don't understand that. In 1974, Synanon moved to become recognized as a religion. This is when it starts to remind me of Scientology, like now. I kind of got that vibe. Yeah, it does feel like that. I mean, Scientology, they don't shave their heads, I guess, but... 
Oh, it's a bunch of bald people yelling mm-hmm. at each other. Yeah, it was because at one point it was. <laughs> How did you miss that part? I forgot. <laughs> at, at one point it was like someone. It was a punishment. You got your head shaved uh, for disobeying something, or as a rite of passage. So people that showed up new got their head shaved just immediately. So, but now it's like uniform. Like you get your overalls and your head shaved and welcome on. That sounds in. so horrible. I know. Uh, the organization was running up against troubles with the IRS and had realized that becoming a rec- that becoming recognized as a religion could help it maintain tax exempt status, just like Scientology. Mm-hmm. The IRS never officially recognized Synanon as a religion, though it would be at least another decade before it finally stripped the company of its tax exemption status. So they just let them be tax exempt, even though they didn't classify them as a religion. Like no one bothered to double check it. I'm not sure. At the same time it was claiming its religious rights, Synanon stepped up its use of violence within its ranks. Suspected spies were severely beaten. Teenagers sent to Synanon to help cure juvenile delinquency were were regularly physically abused for insubordination. So that's probably where the head shaving might have started. Mm -hmm. Everyone in the group started shaving their heads. See, that was my next sentence. (laughs) Things were gradually but steadily getting worse inside the sober cult of Synanon. Chuck was also becoming less interested in having any children around, telling many members if they wanted to have kids, they probably shouldn't be a part of Synanon. I don't know what the kids did to detract from every day. Like, I know kids are annoying, and they <laughs> want to be fed all the time and entertained, so maybe that was enough. I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, Fancy Nancy is annoying. Fancy Nancy is annoying. <laughs> it's a cartoon. <laughs> And that's what the toddler now says. Fancy Nancy is annoying. Yeah, she said that at ballet too, to when they played the audio, like cartoon audio, including Mickey Mouse and Fancy Nancy. And she looked at her and she was like, Fancy Nancy is annoying. <laughs> She's like, Yeah, it is. But yeah, okay, so during My Favorite Murder, I think she focuses in because it was Karen who talked about it. She lived in California around this area and had actually seen these cult members riding bikes at one point as a kid. And, like, everyone knew they were not safe people to be around. But part of it was that juvenile delinquents that were sent there by their parents or the court system or something would want out and you can't get out. Like, physically, you cannot leave that place. And because in the middle of the night, it's just dark for miles and miles and miles and you have no phone and no car. And how are you going to find your way to anything? And you don't. So it was like a couple, a husband and wife farmers that they would help get kids out and send letters to their parents and pay for them to get a bus ticket home. And they got the shit kicked out of them a couple of times for doing it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. She talks more about that part and what their names are because I didn't find their names. I understand it's more like crapping out a football than anything else. (laughs) 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 Said Diedrich about childbirth. It, yep, I, that's a a good way to put it. I (laughs) I guess it could be insulting, but it kind of is the same. But if he had to physically crap out a football, it would not feel good. So you can't say it's just like crapping out a football. Like it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, you saw it. I didn't see it. I didn't feel well, yes, it. I did. I didn't see it. But I'm just saying it. about crapping out a... Never mind. How many Kirks would that be? A lot. Sinanon had a private security force and formed a paramilitary group, the Imperial Marines. You can't just like say I'm a Marine. Like you can't make up Marines. You yeah, either yeah. are a Marine or you're not. So they decided they were the Imperial Marines, similar to Imperial Guard on Star Wars. Maybe that's where they got it. George Lucas, you know. Yeah, he was around. 
that developed its own type of martial arts and amassed an arsenal of hundreds of guns. Yikes. We're concerned about the rising crime rate, the Synanon newsletter explained. It doesn't seem like that. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that at all. <laughs> if trouble should occur, we're prepared to handle it. But if anything, Synanon was increasing the crime rate. In 1975, three members admitted to assaulting a Marion County rancher. Chuck hailed them as heroes. Another rancher was pistol-whipped. In Santa Monica, Synanites beat up two couples who had parked their car at a Synanon apartment building. Nonviolence, Chuck said at a press conference, was just a position. We can change positions anytime we want to. That's right, we can. Mm-hmm. That sounds like uh, something maybe like an addict would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. I can, I can quit anytime I want. Anytime. You just name it. Anytime. Except for that time. And he often delivered those positions through endless monologues broadcasted to Synanon facilities over the wire, quote unquote, a low power FM radio station. So this reminded me of Jim Jones. Like he has, has to have a microphone in front of his face and be constant, like constantly talking and recording himself. Like I want to record my brilliant thoughts of my just endless bullshit. That's mm-hmm. what I do. Do you? Play it back. Oh, I guess podcasting we do. (laughs) (laughs) I understand it's not brilliance. By January of 1977, his distaste for children turned into an official policy. Men were pressured to get vasectomies and women were shamed into getting abortions. Damn. Like, we don't want your baby. mm -mm. These policies instigated another wave of defects. So people that, you know, could leave that had the resources to, I think. One member told Dietrich, I'll give you my life, Chuck, but not my balls. (gasps) Notably, (laughs) Chuck didn't get a vasectomy himself. Well, what if he wants to have kids one day? Yeah. You know? Chuck Dietrich's wife, Betty, died of lung cancer on April 19th, 1977. All them cigarettes. Yeah, lung cancer at the cigarette facility. After that, all bets were off. After her death, nothing could temper his darker desires to control people. Only a few months after the death of his wife, Chuck's policies became even more extreme and controlling. He declared that married Sennonites should split up and find new partners. And just shuffle the deck a little. Just spice things up. Spicy. He started by breaking up his own daughter's marriage. About 600 couples were divorced by the following year. Oh, my God. How is one person able to do that? Hmm. That's another thing, too. Or, like, mass marriages was another thing cults do. Yeah, they gather everyone in the room. And- yeah. What is it? I got the hell out is a woman that survived a cult, and I can't remember the name of it, and they try not to say it because it's still an active cult, but she was saying at one point their little leader man decided that men didn't need to be married to their wives because it was, like, submissive, so they no longer had to be married. And Amen. <laughs> And they were sitting there in one of these massive sermons, and he was like, so, you know, men, just take off your wedding rings. And she's like, he didn't blink. He took it off and handed it to me and was like, here you go. And she's like, and that, she's like. I just said, here you go, bitch. And she's like, bitch. it crushed me at how easily our marriage was like, me. Like, I, you belong to me, but I don't belong to you. That type of thing. And I think later he was going to take a second wife before she was like, I'm leaving here. I have to not be mm-hmm. doing this now. Mm-hmm. At the same time. That Sinanon was becoming increasingly militant and strange. It was enjoying substantial support from American business as a charitable organization. So they're still getting money from businesses that think they're like a drug rehab facilities legit. 
Synanon attracted a fair amount of attention from the media through unlike the pos- though unlike the positive press it was getting in the 1960s for its drug rehab success the coverage was overwhelmingly negative and this made them real mad when anyone talked bad about them they're like no you can't say that like, but it's true no you can't say it don't you be talking about my mama Synanon claims it's the victim of bad publicity losing more than $100,000 in grants and contracts Fewer addicts are being sent there. Parents are disowning their children who live there. Some filing lawsuits charging brainwashing and torture. And a grand jury is investigating charges of child abuse. And I talked with former residents who for the first time are speaking out about Synanon. It was founded 19 years ago by a man named Chuck Dieterich. I'm big brother, I'm big daddy, I'm, I'm all kinds of things. I wore a wonderful costume for good many years. I look more like Buddha than Gandhi. He is the driving force of Synanon, a recovered alcoholic who created a no drugs, no alcohol, no violence society for drug addicts and alcoholics who just drifted in or were sent there by parole and probation officers. They start new lives, learning trades, from mechanics to working for Synanon's business enterprises. Synanon's assets, $33 million. In recent years, Synanon began calling itself a religion. One gesture of that commitment came three years ago when the women joined the men and shaved their heads. But in June of 1977, Frances Wynn, this is a woman, who had a history of psychosis, was not faring well. When her husband, Ed, noticed that she appeared to be on the verge of another episode, he planned to take her to a treatment center later after he he returned home from work. So before leaving, he told her to go to the family clinic for tranquilizers. Oh, back in the day when you could just be like, I need a tranquilizer, everybody's hooking me up now. <laughs> Imagine walking out. Now, here's what you do with yourself today, dear. Walk yourself down to the thing, get you a tranquilizer. Like, I'm in a state of psychosis, but you'll make it, it's fine. Follow the straight signs. The clinic, however, suggested she go to Synanon. She went thinking she was going for a simple counseling session, but within minutes of walking through the doors, she found herself getting her head shaved by someone with an electric razor. She was screamed at as part of the game and told her husband didn't want her and that only Synanon could help. The next day, <laughs> like she got abducted by a cold. <laughs> the next day, Francis was shipped by bus to a facility in Tom's, Tomos Bay. I don't know if I'm saying that right. This, she was told, was her new home. Ed had no idea. When he went to visit her thinking she was still in Santa Monica, he was informed that he couldn't see her for 90 days. So, like, they abducted a person. And I think there was another case of a missing woman that no one has still ever found. Like, they just don't. She's just gone. As you become more part of the community, you can completely lose your whole self. Synanon permeated every aspect of your life. And by Synanon, that really meant Chuck. He was like a great teacher, a guru. Shh. He's speaking. Hmm, what could I do next? What would be really interesting to see if I could get all these people to do? Maybe it would be worth dying for him. There's that monster always inside you. Wait, never sleeps. He did start drinking again. Looking for that little chink in the armor, man, so he can stick his ugly head out. He was an alcoholic, and drinking is not a good thing for an alcoholic. We are an experimental society. Oh my God, what's going to be next? If I knew how it was going to come out, 
I would do it. It got weirder and weirder. It turned into a circus. They've kidnapped her and brainwashed her. <laughs> no matter how irrational, no matter how evil, follow orders. Are we going to be ordered to kill ourselves next? We weren't going to commit suicide. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Simon was right on that edge. Oh, man. We really lost our minds. We were armed and dangerous now. Bombs could be thrown. Well, I think it was kind of decent of me to warn them. How did I get here? My brain had split. It was like a twilight zone. Where would you go if you didn't have cinema? Where are you going to go? So what do you do when a cult steals your wife? Party like it's 1999? No. <laughs> you have to get... Uh, Drunk. You have to get... An attorney. An attorney, of course. Of course you need oh, an attorney. Yeah, you're man, having us guess things going, that are dumb. Let's see here. An- another wife. I don't know if you want to do that right away. No. Ed contacted attorney Paul Morantz. Paul called one of his contacts at the Department of Public Health and asked what Synanon was licensed for. Like, what the fuck is this place? The voice on the other end of the phone dropped to a whisper. Synanon is not licensed. <gasps> he said, what? How can it not be licensed? Paul asked. We don't understand it either, the health official said. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know. But we're too afraid to go investigate. I think they said they sent people there in the 60s and they wouldn't let them in. So they went, okay. Okay. You have to let us in there. No, we don't. (laughs) Okay. 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 We tried. A cradle-to-grave society doesn't release its members easily. And lawyers such as Paul Morantz were called in to seek help from the courts. I uh, had a client came to me to me by another individual who said that his wife was in Synanon and that uh, the organization was refusing to allow him to see her, speak to her, or take her out. Uh, we got her out at approximately nine, ten days later. I think that any organization like Synanon, which convinces people that live there that it is such a superior way to live, that it is the only way to live, and that that causes people to do anything that the organization wants them to do, and I think that's very dangerous. On May 23rd, California Health Department inspectors entered Synanon's premises in Marin County with a warrant to investigate reports of child abuse. If they want to come on our property, we will surround them, uh, each one of them, with ten guys twice their size within one foot of them, and say, all right, inspect. Some people inside Synodon found themselves defined as enemies rather than friends and were faced with the problem of getting out. Rumor had it that Chuck could be heard over Synodon's private radio network ranting, Who is this guy Morantz? Why doesn't someone break his legs? Why? Who will help me make that's my bread? What, that's right. Not to say. What was it? Who will help me make, grind this wheat? Who will help me make my bread? <laughs> we're not going to mess with this old time turn the other cheek religious posture we're going to our religious posture is don't mess with us you can get killed dead literally dead yeah that's what killed is (laughs) they're draining life's blood from us and and expecting us to play by their silly rules we will make the rules (laughs) you will make my bread (laughs) i see nothing frightening about it i am quite willing to break some lawyer's legs and next break his wife's legs and then threatened to cut their child's arm off. This seems a bit dramatic. Mm, Jim Jonesy is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. That is the end of that lawyer. I really do want an ear and a glass of alcohol on my desk. 
Ooh. We either have a good thing here or we don't. If we have a good thing here, then we are not going to permit, permit people like greedy lawyers to destroy it. He wants a motherfucking trophy on his desk and a glass of alcohol. What kind of alcohol, Mr. Soberman? We're talking about like isopropylene alcohol? Yeah. Rubbing alcohol? Are we talking like drinking alcohol? Because there's two different kinds. One will not get you drunk and one will. W- one won't? Really? No. We won't. <laughs> I never knew that. The most famous incident of the organization's violence was a planned attack by Synanon. It's remembered largely due to the bizarre choice of weapon. Do we have any guess what weapon they chose? A toilet seat. Well, uh, a, 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 a spear. An animal. Guess an animal. A bear? Ooh, a raccoon. No, not a, a bear. A possum. <laughs> no. A wolf? Mm, what? A, what? A, 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 a fish? What? What is venomous? Some My, fish. You. <laughs> oh, yeah. A snake. A snake. <laughs> a four-foot-long rattlesnake. Ooh. Paul Morantz had a success. Wait, we could do Jim Jones. I know. Oh, okay. He's just well. He's just frequently done. Welcome to the welcome to the party. <laughs> we could do. I just said Dad lived on the same street as his church. Uh, <laughs> so stupid. You are. That's how you know everyone's playing on their phones and not listening to me. Okay, you know what? Okay. I thought we. I thought it was this guy that grew up on some street, Mm-mm. but then Mm-mm. you didn't get to that. You I skipped didn't. to Notre Dame, and so I was confused. What is going on? <laughs> huh? <laughs> okay, Paul Morantz had successfully represented a young woman who had been held against her will, brainwashed, and tortured by the cult. Paul came home on October tenth, nineteen seventy-eight, to his house and opened his mailbox, only to be immediately bitten by a rattlesnake. <gasps> What the fuck? Yeah, like I will make kill me a afraid bitch. to get my mail no more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the people who placed the snake there had removed its rattle so as to keep it quiet, so you wouldn't even know. It'd be like my mailbox is motherfucking yeah, rattling. Say, like you would have thought that thing would have been pissed no, off being in there. That a vibrator you ordered was <laughs> turned on <laughs> in your mailbox. Sweet, I thought it didn't come with batteries. <laughs> Sweet, batteries included. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, no rattle. So you had a, he. I think he said he thought it was some type of scarf or something because you know it's dark and you lean in, you know, to look a, at him. a scarf with eyeballs and teeth. Mm-hmm. And teeth. Yeah, that scarf really hurt yep. me. Um, he rushed outside yelling to his neighbors for help. Thankfully, they were able to call an ambulance in time, saving his life after quick and extensive treatment with anti venom. Two men were charged with attempted murder along with Chuck Diedrich for conspir- conspiring to commit murder. So they figured out who put the... So if you put a, a venomous snake in someone's mailbox... He said, mailbox, there's a snake in my <laughs> mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> if you put a snake in someone's mailbox and they get bit, it could be attempted murder. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. During the past three years, the number of violent incidents involving outsiders who cross Synanon's path has increased sharply. I don't know... Uh... What action they might take against the persons of the people responsible, uh, their wives, their children. I just don't know. I, uh, and I have no way of being responding. So Chuck's obsession with recording audio came back to haunt him as the police produced tapes of him talking about violence and specifically mentioning Paul's address. <laughs> well, I mentioned his dress, but I didn't mention where the mailbox was. <laughs> They figured that out on their own. It could have been across the street or down at a big group mailbox. We used to have a big group mailbox, remember? Yeah, disagree. Yes, we did. I remember that. Wow, that's a blast from the past. Mm -hmm. You had a key to open it. 
we've we've never had a house that the mailbox is close by. Nope, got to take a walk. My mailman just opens the door and like throws the mail in. <laughs> oh yeah, on my porch, is. like you yeah, know. and then it just splatters everywhere. You mean mail person? <laughs> mail person. person. Mail mail of people. M A I L. Okay. All three pleaded no contest to conspiracy to commit murder, and Chuck entered into a plea deal of of five years probation, though he didn't see any jail time whatsoever. They're like, he's really old, (laughs) and it would take too much, and he would just die anyway, so let's just put him on probation. They're like, sounds good. But part of the plea, he would have to step down as head of Synanon. No. So they said, Chucky, there's no more cults. You don't have to go to jail, but you cannot play with your cult friends anymore. Synanon's reach was relatively limited and yet everyone that came in contact with the organization left with battle scars the cult hobbled along throughout the 1980s badly damaged from their wars in both the press and the courtroom who wanted to be associated with the rattlesnake cult like "Ah, I like my cults a little cleaner than that and that's messy heaven's gate that's a fucked up one anyways Synanon was formally stripped of its tax exemption status in 1991. <laughs> They're like, someone get on that now. It looks really bad. <laughs> and completely disbanded shortly thereafter. Charles E. Diedrich died in Visalia, California in 1997. Oh, when he got arrested, he was really fucking drunk too. First time around. <laughs> and everyone's like, I don't think this program's working that well. Oh, none of those. Yeah, I'm going to write a Yelp review now. One star. <laughs> get on their iTunes. One star. Synanon started with what looked like the best of intentions, and the organization still has defenders today. The utopian impulse is almost always about control. The end. Damn. Wow. It's very interesting. There's yeah. no murder. They was that one woman they haven't found. There is no murder. <laughs> I'm pretty sure some people died. It was attempted murder. Attempted murder, yeah. I'm sure some people did. <laughs> and that you don't know about. The new rule here at Hoosier Homicide is We've had a we couple. can we can just assume someone died somewhere along the line. <laughs> they so. did. That's funny. So I think it was most disturbing. Like it reminds me, like the scared straight program or something that Ew. they don't like. I'm gonna send my kid away and let them get scared or send them to some ranch somewhere. I've seen ones where their parents send their kids out of the country to get rehabilitated or some shit. I don't think no. They probably just need love from their parents. And sometimes it's like a religious. And Synanon, I still can't figure out what the religion part was. Maybe I didn't look hard enough. The thing about this scared straight program is that it was it's like proven not to work. No, I think it has a really short term effect. Yeah. And then a lot of the kids still end up getting, you know, arrested mm-hmm. for some reason. Because being afraid only lasts so long. Right. And you're like, I'm not scared no more. I'm gonna go so do it. Doesn't drugs. really work. Like, and I think the government still funded it for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they do anymore. They probably do because no one's brought it. The health department's like, we don't know either. We don't know. We understand. don't know. <laughs> How are they not licensed? We don't know. I know we sent Jimmy to the program. We don't he's know. He's in jail now, so I don't. We know. can't possibly know. know. There's no way to know. <laughs> we can't possibly know. So yeah, I think the scared straight, but we're just, just like punk kids that. You know, might abuse drugs, might be addicted, might not. And they're like, we're going to go send you here. And you just get beaten and tormented and yelled at. And you can't do drugs or drink on top of it. So Sounds horrible. And you can't get out because you can't get a phone to call your parents. This so. is very bizarre how mm-hmm. like and it the, all. And usually cults, I think, want I thought they wanted kids like to, you know, like create more members. Yeah. And so that our numbers grow. But he was like, get your wiener snip. 
And I think they said as soon as a man agreed, they would like push them into the next room where doctors would be waiting. Like, so <gasps> you didn't get a chance to like fake un- doctors. Think about fake doctors with their licensed doctor facility that just grew overnight. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, we planted the hospital seed and watered it. And, <laughs> and then it, the next thing we know, know, the doctor was here to do the sniff sniff. Who will help me run my hospital? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, now I have to read her that book. We have it. You have it? The Little Red Hen. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> Bread sounds good. <laughs> it's the way that you read it that sticks with me. Who will help me grind my wheat? Who will help me bake this bread? What is it? Who will help me turn my wheat into flour? Yeah. She was always so shitty. Like, maybe she was nicer. She would have gotten help. Because they're like, not I, said the pig. I have a cult to attend. <laughs> it would be the pig. Okay. Daniel's tired. I'm hungry. Daniel's He's hungry. hungry. Feed the man. I didn't know you took a nap instead of eating. So what do we have here to eat? If I had a dollar for every time I did that. Oh. I'm having sleep for dinner tonight, kids. Yum, yum, yum. Eat them up. Eat them up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when our episode with Joe comes out or how we're doing it, but go check him out. I don't know. Check out Joe Schmo. Yep. Joe do the best tonight? No, it's just Carla. <laughs> oh. 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 She kept kissing our thighs before we left. It was very like strange. a group hug. Yeah. Group hug in a thigh kiss. And I was like, got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell them where to find us. Um, Instagram um, and Twitter at Who's Your Homicide. We have a Facebook page. And also, um, my phone's telling me I should stand up now, but Aww. fuck you. <laughs> right. And then um, you can listen to us on all the podcast things. Yep. Yep. All the things, the things. The only thing we're trying to get on LimeWire, but, Napster. you know, it's not going too great. It has to give your computer an STI. So. Yeah. And for honest to goodness, stay, stay out, out of the, the cult. Corn. Cult. Corn. 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 Corn.